afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It, it feels nice to be back. Good afternoon, Atil. Good afternoon, Rob. It's sounds like everything. Yeah, sounds like everything went well while I was gone. Yeah, you had some great guest hosts. We had a nice couple of hockey games that we got to listen to. It wasn't wasn't a bad week while you were out. Did you have a good vacation? I did. Um, although, like like with most vacations. I, I, I don't know what it is. Like, guilt starts to set in about halfway through. <laughs> and you feel like you should be working, but I, you can't? Yeah. I actually, I, I got up on yesterday. Like, I got up at 7. I was ready to go. I, you know, was at my desk, and I started writing, and I booked a guest for the radio show, not realizing it was still a holiday, I guess. I got in touch with Mike Capel, and Mike was like, "We're not doing radio today, idiot." No, because it's 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 the technical federal holiday. I even yeah. had the day off. I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want the day off. I was ready to come back to work. Ah, so the legislature's starting today. We're not going to have any guests today. We're going to talk about the uh, the new session. I'm actually watching um, Governor Doug Burgum be escorted into the House chamber right now uh, for his State of the State address to lawmakers. And today we sort of have uh, a dawn of a, of, of a new era for North Dakota. You know, we had our, our previous governor, uh, John Hoven, uh, Jack Dalrymple obviously was part of the Hoven administration. I mean, we've, we've really had sort of continuity in the governor's office since 2000 starting with john hoven and then of course his lieutenant governor when when governor hoven became senator hoven um lieutenant governor downrumple stepped up and became governor it's it's really been one approach and i have a feeling things are going to be very very different uh it, it's going to be very different going forward it's going to be very interesting to see um how this is going to work out for Governor Burgum and what his priorities are going to be. I mean, really, this is a guy who got elected without really talking a lot about specific policy. Um, you know, we've we've heard a lot of broad strokes. We've heard a lot of, of, you know, rhetoric about making the government more efficient, making it more transparent, reinventing government. And that's great. Uh, you know, it's great to talk about. It's it's nice to hear. Uh, it's certainly ideas and concepts that I agree with generally. But I think everybody's wondering is what what's that actually going to look like in terms of policy? Well, we're about to find out. So I'll uh, I'll have more about the state of the state address on the blog. I'm sure later today, uh, if you want to check that out, uh, the governor, of course, delivering that uh, right now as I speak. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand. You want to join the program? 888-970-9329. Um, we are getting some hints about some a, a, a lot fewer bills this time around. Um, now, now, lawmakers will still be able to um, introduce legislation for, for a few weeks now. Um, you know, so we're, we're still going to be getting, getting more bills filed. We're going to be getting a lot more bills. But so far, um, the number of bills introduced this session is down, I, I think, by a couple of hundred bills. I read an Associated Press article. Um, I had a post today about the number of lobbyists at the legislature. And during the 2015 session, I think, uh, at, <laughs> uh, boy, excuse me, on day one of the session, I believe we had um, over, near or, or over 500 lobbyists registered to work at the session. And at uh, as of today, 
you know, as of yesterday, which is the last day for which uh, the Secretary of State's office had 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 uh, the data available, the number of, of lobbyists registered to work the legislature down 40 percent. Uh, 328 people registered to lobby the legislature. Obviously, that is a reflection of this new normal that, that North Dakota is going to be living in. Uh, the the pile, the the pie, the state's uh, revenue pie is much smaller. There's just not as much to spend, uh, and so I think the people you're seeing, you know, at this session are going to be the people who are looking to defend spending. Not people so much looking to uh, push and uh, and create more spending. So I don't know. I, again, j- just sort of a, a new reality. We are starting to get a, a trickle in of of different bills that um, are going to be introduced. Uh, one interesting one. Uh, reporter John Hageman uh, wrote about earlier today. Uh, Senate Bill twenty forty three coming out of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, it's going to change some of North Dakota's laws to reflect the reality that that same-sex marriage is something that is legal now. Um, now, what's what's interesting is this is not, this is a change to statute, because what happens is, is all over in the statute, there are references, there are definitions in the state statute which reflect marriage being heterosexual, one man, one woman. What What this does is this changes all those references, and it basically uses... Uh, general neutral verbiage so that you know it, it could you know the language could reflect either a, a heterosexual or homosexual union um, but this does not change the constitutional amendment which still exists and, and as of as of this morning when I looked nobody has introduced a uh, an amendment to the state constitution to replace article 11 section 28 which states I quote Marriage consists only of the legal union between a man and woman. No other domestic union, however denominated, may be recognized as a marriage or given the same substantially equivalent legal effect. Um, so that's, you know, that's that's essentially, that's still in the state constitution. And, and I think I'm, I'm glad lawmakers are going to be cleaning up the state statutes um, to, to reflect the reality of, of legal gay marriage because... Frankly, that's where our society is going. I mean, it, the language that's currently in the Constitution passed in 2004 in North Dakota was 73% of the statewide vote. 73%. That's a lot of Republicans and Democrats, frankly, voting for that. Um, attitudes have changed, and I don't think a measure like that would pass statewide, even in a state as sort of traditionally uh, socially conservative and in a lot of ways as North Dakota is. I don't think that that would pass I think it's time to change our state constitution, not just because the courts have spoken, but because I think a change at this point would be reflected by the will of the people. And, and honestly, I, I wish that was the way that, that gay marriage had been legalized in the first place. I, I very much wanted it to be legal. I was never I, I was not in favor of of gay marriage bans. I feel like individuals who want to associate themselves with one another, whether that's man and woman or man and man or woman and woman or whatever combination you want to have, it's up to them. That's what liberty looks like. But I'm afraid that by changing it through the courts, we create more resentment. I would like to see the people given an opportunity to vote 
that part of of the state constitution down. And and the legislature could do it. So far, they don't have a bill on the table to do it. They should do it because the Supreme Court's ruled, and that's the law of the land now. They should also do it because the people of North Dakota deserve a vote. And I think if, if given the opportunity, I think they'd vote to get rid of it. And I suppose the argument from the other side would be that we um, and that we should leave this language in in case one day the courts overturn themselves, which is a pipe dream. I don't think the courts are ever going to overturn themselves on this. Um, but if the courts do overturn themselves, then you know if, if if we remove it from the Constitution, it reflects the will of the people, and if the courts you know overturn their ruling and and say that states can ban gay marriage again then, you know, North Dakota could go down that road if we want to. But as it stands now, I, I hope this is something the legislature considers. I hope it's something that they push. Anyway, uh, something else that's going to be on the uh, docket for the legislature, State Representative Rick Becker of Bismarck wants to make it so that if, if you live in North Dakota, you're over the age of 21 years old, and you're not otherwise prohibited by law, you don't need a permit to carry concealed. I have a copy of that legislation at sayanythingblog.com if you want to listen, if you want to read it. We're going to talk about it coming up next. Your phone call, 701-293-9000, We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port here on the Rob Report, WDAY, 701-293-9000, Knocking the rust off here a little bit. Coming back from uh, holiday break. I don't know. I, I, uh, Nathiel, I think there's a point in which there's such a thing as too much time off. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I believe you. And maybe that's just because I spent my vacation having influenza. But Yeah, that could be. <laughs> you need a you need a do there maybe there should be a do over for a vacation though. Or like if you take the vacation like it rains the whole time you're sick or something, you could just do I would have I would have taken the rain. I would have taken rain, I would have taken snow. <laughs> Anything over being sick. Ugh. That was the thing about my vacation. I spent most of it behind a snowblower, it feels like. I mean it was I, I'm kinda glad we didn't go anywhere though. During all those blizzards, because I can't even imagine, you know, driving around town, you see those people who obviously went on vacation or something uh, over the, the break, and there's like, like the snow's like drifted over the top of their house. Uh, it's, maybe, it's scary. Maybe not that bad, but I, I can't even imagine coming home and like just trying to figure out how am I going to get in my house at this point, because um, it it was that bad at some places. Uh, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, concealed carry. Uh, I got the legislation up uh, at the – it hasn't been filed yet, uh, but I spoke with uh, State Representative Rick Becker earlier today, uh, legislation to make it so that North Dakotans, if you're over the age of 21 and you're not otherwise prohibited by law, which I guess would mean if you're like – you committed a felony or something and you're prohibited from owning firearms or something uh, because of your conviction, 
stuff like that, uh, unless you're otherwise prohibited by law, you can carry concealed without a permit. I've got the full legislation. It hasn't been filed yet. I've got the full legislation up at sayanythingblog.com. It's a little bit comp- complicated because there's a lot of different sections of the law which relate to this. But, you know, it, it all boils down to this, this statement. I quote, an individual who is a citizen or legal resident of the United States and is at least 21 years of age may carry any firearm or dangerous weapon concealed unless otherwise prohibited by law. That's it. That, that That's the change. Now, this is what's called, I think, constitutional carry. That's what a lot of people have uh, talk about in other states. I think one concern that, that I think is valid about this is some people would be concerned that if we make this change in North Dakota that it may risk reciprocity with other states. Uh, that's, that's pretty important. Um, North Dakota currently has two levels of certification. Uh, there's a class one license and a class two license. And the only difference between the two of them is that the class one license, uh, has some additional requirements to, to get it. Um, but when you get it, you have reciprocity in more States than you would with the class two license. So that's, that's a pretty important difference. Uh, what, what nobody wants to do is, is put the, um, you know, put the state in a position where we lose that reciprocity, where, you know, you can't travel to other States, uh, and, and be able to, to carry concealed. That that's very important. Um, and when I spoke with Becker about this, what he told me is, is essentially he's leaving all of that in place, meaning that we're not getting rid of North Dakota's concealed carry licenses. You could still get one. That process is still going to exist. The only difference is, is that if you're over the age of 21 in the state of North Dakota and you want to carry concealed, you don't have to get. You don't have to get a, a, a concealed carry permit. You just don't. Um, and I, I think it's great. The concealed carry laws are arcane, and complying with them can be a little bit a little bit difficult at times. Um, in that it's it's tricky if if you don't have a concealed we- uh, weapons license. Let's say you're wanting to take your gun down to the range, uh, do some target practice, and you're driving along, and all of a sudden your your gun slides off the seat or something, or under the seat, or you know, maybe you've got it in, in the back and it slides under some blankets or something. Well, now all of a sudden you've got a concealed weapon. And the consequences for having a concealed weapon are pretty severe. And it, it seems absurd to me that we would do something like that. Uh, it, it seems absurd to me that that we would. I mean, because what what is that really protecting us from? What 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 is it protecting us from? Uh, if 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 we're busting people for who are you know otherwise law abiding citizens own their guns legally and everything else, and we're busting them for something incidental like that, I I don't think that that's protecting us. Now, the big pushback in the early going to this legislation is coming from law enforcement, and what they're saying is that they don't want. They want that registry. They, they want to have that registry of people with concealed carry licenses. And because they want to know who's who's armed and who's not, or who's potentially armed and who's not. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I, I kind of feel like law enforcement most of the time kind of assumes that everybody's armed anyway. I mean, why wouldn't you assume 
that somebody's armed, right? If you're going into a situation uh, and, and before law enforcement does that check, as a matter of fact, I, I'm pretty sure that one of the reasons why law enforcement, you know, has, has pushed so hard to be able to do those pat-downs and those frisks in the search and seizure area of law is based on that presumption that somebody could be armed, right? I mean, so we've already got this jurisprudence and policy and procedure in place, which assumes that people could potentially be armed. And so if we're going to do that anyway, the idea that we have to license concealed carry permit holders so that cops will know who is armed and who isn't just seems a little silly. Besides, the sort of criminal that's going to use a weapon on a law enforcement officer is probably not going to take the time to get their their concealed carry permit in the first place, right? I mean, if you're out there committing crimes or running guns or whatever, are you going to care whether care whether or not you have a concealed carry permit? I mean, if if you're if you're going to potentially draw down on a, on a cop, are you going to care about a concealed carry permit? So I don't know, I. I tend to look at the Second Amendment, gun rights, the right to keep and bear arms. It's a civil right. And I know it's not something I think that has to be justified. I don't think it's something that, that we should be required to take classes, to exercise. It's a civil right. And if, if the state wants to deny us our right to exercise that right, then... You know, the burden's on them. You know, they need to convict us of a crime. They need to engage in some level of due process to lawfully remove that right from us. Otherwise, otherwise, it's your right, and you can exercise it at will. I, I think that's what Representative Becker's legislation uh, enshrines. What do you think? 701-293-9000, Email me, talk at WDAY.com. I, I think I think it's the right step, the proper step in the right direction. Uh, and it's it's certainly going to be a hot-button issue this session. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000, We'll be back. Don't go away. Baby's good to me, you know she's happy as can be, you know she said so. Welcome back, Rob Port, here on WDAY. Until during the break, I was uh, watching some of uh, Governor Burgum delivering the uh, State of the State address. Are you getting a better feed than we are? I am. I, I actually <laughs> passed the feed that I'm using on to Eric, so he should have a uh, he should have a more resilient uh, feed now. I, I've at least the state of North Dakota is not using Real Player anymore. I mean, they oh, were up to a, a few sessions ago, and it was. Awful. The, the legislature's actually got a pretty good system in place now. Anyway, um, so I'm, I'm listening to Governor Bergham deliver his address. Knowing his background, which search engine do you think he uses? Ooh. You know, I, I feel like I should say 
Uh, Bing, but I'm going to guess he uses Google. No, it's Bing. He does use Bing. He he plugged Bing during the state of the Oh, my Lord. Nobody uses Bing. Quit making (laughs) Bing try to happen. Oh, Doug. He's a a Microsoft guy. What are you going to do? Well, yeah, and that's, you know, that's fine, but nobody uses Bing. Nobody uses Bing. Bing's Bing's terrible. Um, It is. It's just it's just not good. Um, Anyway, Uh, what I love about Google is is just how and it's it, it should probably scare us how much it knows. But it's like you could type in like. Hey, what's that that song about that thing? You know, and it like Google just knows, right? It's if we ever slowed down and thought about it, it'd be scary. Is is what it would be. Anyway, I but it's it's on. one of those things that um, my my housemate and I bring up routinely, like when we're out at a restaurant or something, and we can't think of the name of an actor or the name of a movie or some random factoid, and we'll right. whip out our phone and be like, "Oh, look, hand computers." Well, it's, I mean, Google, Google has become one of those companies that has transcended its own product, right? To where people Google things on Bing sometimes, right? It's like, nobody says, oh, oh, you should Bing it. Right? No, yeah, you you're say, not, you're yeah. not, you know, you're not using a search engine to find an answer. Right. You're Googling something. It's become a verb. Yes. Much and, like, much like nobody refers to Kleenex as tissues. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You know what a funny thing about that? I was I was reading a book the other day, and then I was I was in in like an online discussion about the book, and somebody was like, "Why do they keep capitalizing dumpster?" And it's because dumpster is actually a company name. Like, wait, no, no way. Yeah, dumpster is a is a real company, and to use the word correctly is that it's a it's a proper noun. Yeah, I mean, blowing blowing your mind. I can't I can't handle the yeah. Mind blown. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Somebody just messaged me about Governor Burgum's uh, Bing reference. Uh, What's funny is the governor's website says the preferred browser to watch the speech in is Google Chrome. Uh Uh-oh. Controversy. As opposed, well, Microsoft doesn't, does Microsoft have a... Well, they got rid of Internet Explorer, but they have the Edge browser now. Oh, that's right. It's Edge now. Yeah. I forgot, because I was like... Mozilla, like Firefox isn't Microsoft and Chrome obviously isn't Microsoft. Right. I forget that Explorer and Edge are a thing. Spoiler spoiler alert, Edge works about as well as Internet Explorer did, which is a, not very good. Anyway, that's uh, my two cents. Hey, uh, over the weekend, I don't know, maybe you heard about this, but there was a uh, Dakota Access Pipeline protest at the Vikings game. You see that? I didn't see it live, but I've definitely heard about it today and... We talked about it a little bit this morning with Jay. How is this even a thing that could possibly have happened? Isn't security at stadiums supposed to be to the point now where you can't go in with a backpack full well, of I, repelling gear? I don't I don't go to a lot of professional sports games, but I I mean everything I had heard it's like starting to be like the TSA, right? So, I'm wondering how did you get in there, right? I mean, how did you get in there with like mountain climbing equipment and a gigantic banner well and that that's exactly it because you're not as far as like even even if it wasn't as bad as i as some stadiums i know there are some stadiums now where you can't go in with anything outside of like a clear plastic bag they have to be able to see through your bag when you go in yeah and even if you know u.s bank stadium's not that intense there's no way there's no way these people should have been able to get through security checkpoints at a major 
national professional sports game with that kind of stuff with them. The point that I want to make, you're right, absolutely 100% right. That is a major concern, and that's on the stadium. The The other point that I want to make is I, I feel like the Standing Rock tribe needs to speak out and, and condemn this for for multiple reasons. I mean, first of all, it was illegal and irresponsible. I mean, they put people at risk there. If they had screwed up and somebody fell down in that audience and they ended somebody's life, I mean, that's that's a that's a big deal. Um, you know, they they put people at not just their own lives, they put other people's lives at risk there. That's unacceptable. But the other thing is is their message because what they're talking about is divestment, right? So they want these banks and they want these, you know, financial companies to divest from pipelines and oil companies and stuff like that. Um, and it's 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 sort of a, it's an anti-oil, you know, the the keep it in the ground movement, right? That that's a big part of it is we're not going to invest in fossil fuel energy production anymore. We're not going to invest in pipelines anymore. And so that's what these protesters because they put out a statement with it and that's what they're standing for right that's what the whole divestment thing is and they're claiming to speak for the tribe or or at least in in solidarity with the tribe but the thing is is that the tribe itself is not saying those things i mean certainly the tribe the standing rock tribe at least their tribal government their leadership if not all of its members um they don't like the current route of the dakota access pipeline what that does not translate into is opposition to pipelines in general or even another route for the Dakota Access Pipeline. And you don't have to take my word for it. That's what they're saying. Last month, a Standing Rock representative uh, who was in a meeting, went to a meeting with President-elect Donald Trump in New York City, said, I quote, We haven't taken a stance against oil development or energy development. We realize that's part of the world today. Standing Rock Chairman David Archambault also said, I quote, and he's, he's talking about the, the meeting between his tribal representative and, and Donald Trump. said, I quote, I want to help him, meaning Trump, make this nation great again, and I want to help give him assistance, advice on how we can do that together and not leave the first occupants of this land behind. We can do the pipelines. We can do oil development, energy development, but not off our backs again. That's basically all I would share with him. So that is the Standing Rock tribe basically saying, we're not against oil development, and we're not against pipelines. We just want to make sure our voice is heard and included in the process. Now, I, I think their argument against the current route of the Dakota Access Pipeline is is wrong and unfortunate. I think they're misguided. But the broader idea that, that the tribe should have more of a say, uh, should be have be better included, should be listened to more, that they're, they should be respected a little bit more in the process when it comes to approving and, and placing these pipelines, absolutely agree with that. Um, the problem, though, is that they're allowing their message to be co-opted by, frankly, political extremists who are against oil development in general. So, I mean, that, that's the problem, is some idiots climb up into the superstructure of the Viking Stadium and drop down this banner and say, divest from oil development, U.S. Bank or other banks or whatever, um, they have these extremists going around. They're attacking Wells Fargo branch locations. They're doing all these things. You got the Minneapolis City Council, you know, voting. You know, other city uh, leaders voting. You know, they, they want to divest themselves of these banks, Wells Fargo and other banks that invest in fossil fuel energy developments. And that's and, and they're doing it in the name of 
Standing Rock's fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline. But Standing Rock is not against all oil development. They're not against all oil pipelines. As a matter of fact, Standing Rock is in the process of creating their own tribal utilities commission in order to facilitate things like building pipelines. Because again, going back to what going back to what Chairman Archambault said, he said we can do the pipelines, we can do oil development, energy development, but not off our backs again. Now that's a very pragmatic position. The, the way Standing Rock handled, you know, the, the protests last year against the Dakota Access Pipeline was unfortunate, and I think it probably did more harm to the tribe's cause than, than good. Um, on the flip side, the tribe isn't against oil development generally. They're not against pipelines generally. And when they allow their message to be co-opted by extremists who are, that hurts them. And they should stop. And, so those are the two reasons. I mean, A, it was it was an irresponsible stunt. It put people at risk. B, the, the activists that, that did that are representing something that the tribe doesn't really stand for. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I could say that, right? I mean, I could point out the disparity between what the activists are doing and what the tribe is saying. But the tribe itself ought to do it and disavow some of these, some of these activists because they're not helping. Anyway, more to come, 701-293-9000, Email me, talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back. Finish up the show. Don't go away. I keep telling myself that it'll be fine. You can't make every part. Welcome back, Rob Report, 701-293-9000. You want to join the program, 888-970-9329. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. I'll be uh, hanging out uh, with Jay for the first part of his show like we usually do Mondays, but today's kind of a Monday because we're coming back from a holiday. Sure feels like Monday. It, it does a little <laughs> bit. I think they'll be going like they usually do on Mondays anyway. Um, now nah, I'm glad to be back. Uh, Governor uh, Doug Burgum delivering his State of the State address. I'm just catching snippets of it here because obviously I'm on air. I can't listen and talk at the same time. That's why I have to have Natil type everything out to me uh, via instant messenger while we're I, – I can't – if she talks if, – if somebody talks to me while I'm talking, it completely derails me. It's a good thing that I've got speedy typing fingers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, Governor Burgum uh, talking about – said something pretty interesting, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about this on property taxes because that's been just a every, – every biennium, people are upset about property taxes and – you know, the legislature does things to try to fix it. And under under Governor Hoven and then Governor Dalrymple, what the state was doing was passing property tax buy-downs. And so, and, and, and so what, what's been happening is the state has been accumulating local spending into the state budget. And... It's 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 unsustainable. Uh, it was an easy thing to do back when the state had lots and lots of money flowing in, right? It was easy back when we had big budget surpluses, but now it's a problem because the state has created 
some big obligations for itself uh, in has created some big obligations for itself in, in in terms of local spending. And so what the state needs to do is to get out of the business of property tax buy downs. And Governor Burgum just said that's exactly what he wants to do. Uh, and he's talking about getting local spending under control. He says that's a part of what his Main Street initiative is. Um, and I, I think that's I think that's great. I, I think that's a great a great idea. I, I'd be interested to see how that's going to manifest itself in policy. I'm, I'm still not quite sure what Bergam intends to do with his Main Street initiative or how, because he seems to be basing it a lot on what's happened in downtown Fargo. And the problem is, is not every city in the state of North Dakota or even most of them by any stretch of the imagination is Fargo. So I don't know what that means. I, I do know that Bergam has, has said uh, some things about, you know, keeping local costs under control, such as, um, doing denser development so that you can control costs. You know, you have not so many streets to uh, to plow for snow, and uh, not so many so much you know territory to patrol for law enforcement or fire protection. Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe he's he's talking about that. Uh, you know, the problem is 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 implementing those kind of savings is going to take a long time. Um, you know, I mean, that's not something that happens overnight. I mean, it's a great long term strategy. It doesn't really solve the state's problems, immediate problems, with property taxes that have been stubbornly higher than what most property owners in the state, I think, want to pay. And, you know, the, the state obligating itself in an attempt to try to buy those down. I, I think Governor Burgum actually referred to those property tax buy-downs as a subsidy. And he's absolutely right when he says that. Just absolutely spot-on accurate uh, in saying that, that... When the state tries to buy down local property taxes, all we're essentially doing is subsidizing local spending. You know, I, I think it was a mistake. The state should have never gotten in the property tax business. They should have left that to be a local matter. Uh, the only involvement, I, I know a lot of times the locals complain about things like unfunded mandates or things that they're required to do either by state law or federal law uh, that they then have to raise taxes to, to do. And I can understand that part of the equation, but for the most part, you know, we we hear local governments scream about wanting local control all the time, right? And anytime the state you know is going to step in and try to control things or or crack down on spending or whatever, you hear local governments scream about local control. What I'd like to hear them talk a little bit more about is local accountability, uh, which is somebody needs to be accountable for the spending that is is you know keeping property taxes stubbornly high. Um, that debate needs to happen at the local level. Now, if, if a local government can articulate and say, listen, the taxpayers want X, Y, and Z, and so property taxes need to be at this level to pay for it, well, then fine. That's what it needs to be, right? You spend locally, you tax locally. Um, but if it's, if it's, you know, we didn't cut spending because we've had, you know, the state stepping in and sort of... Uh, you know, doling out money trying to buy down our property taxes, well, then that's that's a recipe for disaster. So I am, I am very very interested. I see uh, Governor Burgum is just finishing up his address now. Um, I am very interested. That is something that I really want to hear more of from from Governor Burgum. I mean, if if he means it, that we're going to get out of the property tax business, that the legislature is going to get out of the property tax buy down business, boy, that would be a big big step in the right direction because. I mean, listen, talk radio hosts across the state know 
property taxes are always a hot button issue. I mean, people are always upset about property taxes. So I, I, I hope it means it. I, I hope it's, I hope it's something that, um, you know, we're going to be able to, to dial in uh, and get done. Although, like, like a lot of Bergup's proposals, I just don't know what to make of it yet. Um, I just, I just don't know what to. I'm looking forward to, to we we start getting some actual policy proposals from the governor that, that we can weigh one way or another because. You know, ever since he started his campaign last year, we've heard a lot about what he's going to do. So now it's time for him to start doing. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. I'm Rob Portman. You can catch me here 24 hours a day. Or, no, not here. You can catch me here Monday through Friday, 1 to 2 p.m. or at sayanythingblog.com, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Hey, my mom.